For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, joined, as always, by former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. And, Ovi, when we talked about this game uh, in the lead-up, you predicted a, I believe, what, 35-7 to blowout. I did. So I did. I, I think, I don't think, I mean, I understand why you made that prediction. And I'm not even, I'm not even here to give you a hard time about that prediction. I'm just really curious. Well, you could. I could, yeah. but I'm, I'm genuinely curious, you know, what, what is your reaction to what you saw today from the Falcons? Surprised. I was really surprised that they fought so hard. Uh, well, not, not, they fought so hard. And they fought so hard and that for a couple of quarters, you actually thought there was a small chance they can win it. I thought it'd be dominant from play one to the last play. And even the way they finished, where they were, Arthur Smith and the whole squad were trying to score that last touchdown. They were trying to score. Didn't mean anything. We're going to win. But the level of fight and grit and intensity that you saw from almost the whole team was a nice kind of turn around that corner that made me feel like this was a character loss. As much as we hate to even talk about building character while we lose or what we learn from it or silver linings or all that foolishness. Um, you know, we play to win the game uh, or we play to win the game. Uh, you got to say it right. <laughs> if you don't say it. But this game is one where you have to find ways to grow in wins and losses. You can't be too high when you win. You can't be too low when you lose. And if you're able to figure out how to strategically uh, learn from some of the mistakes you made in a loss, it can help you in the long run. And not just like this season, like seasons on because you're playing against the best team in the NFL, the defending world champs. And so to, to be three points down was a huge, uh, <laughs> sounds terrible when you say it out loud, a huge statement for the Falcons because not just me, but the majority of Falcons fans and all the NFL pundits did not think this would even be close. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to, I'm surprised you're taking this, this approach, but I'm, I'm excited about it. But I guess I should say right off the bat here, 30-17 loss um, by the Falcons today at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay moves to 9-3. and three. Atlanta now 5-7, and seven. still in the thick of it. But, mm. you know, you, you hate to drop this game, and they remain winless in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. None of those are good things. Um, but we will no. get much, much deeper into today's game, uh, an unfortunate outcome. Um, but we will get into all of it right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Well, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off 
welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's half off, guys. That's a big deal. What are are you doing? Don't just sit there. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive that bonus. So what are you waiting for? Get started. Head over to Bet Online today because it is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so Ovi, those those were your thoughts up top, but I I agree with you in in a lot of ways. But then I there are some parts of this game where I once again kind of felt like you know th- this team can can win games, can win close games against the teams that it should beat, frankly, right? But there, I still yeah. don't really have any confidence, even if it was a team closer to Atlanta, which, you know, they'll have next week. They take on the Carolina Panthers. That's a team that's right, right around there. I think maybe they have the same record even. And, you know, in that matchup, maybe I feel a little bit better picking Atlanta than I would have the first time they met, you know, earlier this season or, you know, what have you. But I'm still, I don't feel any better after today's game about an Atlanta team against, you know, Green Bay or Los Angeles or, you know, those types of teams. And so while I still stand full, both feet firmly on, you don't turn down a playoff run. Yeah, I'm not turning down a spot in the playoffs, even if Falcons get washed in the first round. I am not saying that that's not worth it. I'm just saying that no. I was I was kind of hoping to come away from this game, even if it was a loss, feeling like the Falcons could stand toe to toe with with a with a big boy. And they 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 did, I guess you could say. But in the second oh, wow. half, I never I never felt like they were even close to really giving another punch in the second half. And and a good team just yeah. made an adjustment, and, and the Falcons never really got back into it. But I will agree with you. I liked a lot of the things they did in the first half, the run game. Clearly, you know, this is a real thing. They're fixing things in the run game, whether it be with scheme, whether it be just the looks, the the way that it all is designed and drawn up and how it all marries together. What did you think about the ground game, especially that opening drive? I mean, what did you think this game would play out like when you saw the Falcons run the ball down the Bucks throat on their opening offensive possession? I was excited. I, you know, and it's so I've, my, the second half of the season, I've tried to temper my excitement because if I go full on fan, I'll be like, look at that. We ran the ball down the world champion's throat. We're going to the Super Bowl. Let's go. Let's get your tickets. Let's get excited. I, mean, I, was, I was just so, I mean, you heard me at the beginning of the season. I was like 10 and 7 is what I told everyone. And I eat those yeah. words out because I was, I just, you, you want, as a fan, you want to believe. You want to, you know, look at the best. Look, you know, every, fan does that you look for the best in your team you ignore the weaknesses and and now i'm being a a very uh you know observant and fair and honest uh you know analyst where i see that i liked the run game i i I liked what we did but i i wanted to see more but you said that you didn't feel like we could hang with the big boys we still can't but we're getting closer in certain areas uh, the, the other areas, I mean, they are what they are. You know, we we have issues in pass protection. We have issues yep. with our defense. We have a lot of issues in getting to uh, Tom Brady or getting to the quarterback. But our run game, you know, has steadily been getting better uh, from Jacksonville and, and to this game. I feel like, you know, Mike Davis has finally watched enough Cordero Patterson tape to where he wants to be a part of the process. And 
is showing <laughs> that he's going to run just as hard and he's going to make the cuts. And he's going to not dance around. And, he looked nimble you know, out there. He did. Yeah. And I, I don't know what happened to him because the majority of the season, he has not looked nimble. And I no, don't like talking yeah. bad about running backs, but he's just been a disappointment. He's been like a, a Ray Edwards. No, he wasn't that bad. But you know, <laughs> almost Ray Edwards-ish type of disappointment to where you bring over a guy, you feel like he's going to be a big contributor, and he's just, man, 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 it's not good enough when you spent millions of dollars on, on a player. And um, I don't know. Uh, he was supposed to be what? Uh, CP is and there has to be some, not, not jealousy but there has to be some uh, envy in watching the guy who had no name I mean as a fullback as a player you know they brought me over and they paid me well to be the top fullback not just for the Falcons but in the, in the NFL if there was some backup fullback or some you know office lineman turned fullback or a linebacker turned fullback and he came out of left field a special teams guy uh, and he just got in a couple times and just showed out and was knocking out guys, blowing up people, getting pancakes. I would feel salty, William. I would be very salty. <laughs> I don't, don't forget that. I would be pissed because that's my role. That's my job. At the same time, I'd have to watch film, look in the mirror and say, he got that because he produces. That's what Mike Davis has been doing all season long. And I know he wants to get back into it. This was a small step, not to take over Cordero Patterson's role because he's got that cemented, but to get more time in the run game because he showed that he at times he can be effective. No, I, I completely agree. And I've been really waiting for Mike Davis because, again, if you watch him on a play-by-play basis, he does some good things. It's just he's not he's not ever been able to, outside of kind of that one big touchdown catch that he had earlier on in maybe Washington when he broke like seven yeah. tackles, he just haven't hasn't been making the big plays that uh, Cordero has been doing throughout the year. Today he he made some of those big plays happen, and yeah, you he, he was like tiptoeing down the sideline on a couple of of plays. It was weird. I, I didn't think who it was. Yeah, I'm like, is that was, CP? Is that Mike Davis? Who, who is that? <laughs> he was light on his feet. Um, but the Falcons ran for 121 yards against a defense that came into today allowing I think 81 on the ground, the best run defense in the league. So. Back-to-back games where the Falcons offensively were led by their run game. If let's just let's just stay on on the topics of some things that we liked, and then we can get to you know some of the things that obviously they lost the game. So we're going to have some nitpicks. Yeah. But Russell Gage, I think he he played a really good game outside of the fumble that he yeah. lost, which that's a that's a tough fumble. But the guy's trying to make a play. I get that 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 was a good play by the defender to come behind and punch that ball out. Um, but I, I thought he stepped up time and again when the Falcons needed a big third down conversion. He was the guy. He was there. Um, Kyle Pitts got a little bit more involved. But what did you think of Matt Ryan and the receivers today? I thought that I was, um, you know, watching a inspired receiver group or an inspired team uh, altogether. Again, the uh, execution wasn't quite there, but just with the play, you can tell what a team has a, a different mindset. They've turned it up a couple of notches. They turned it up to the playoff level. Uh, they wanted intensity. to play and this game. Like, they wanted yes. this game. The yes. Falcons really they did. Were not, yeah. They were not scared. They were not backing down. They were not, you know, uh, cowering and in awe of the mighty Tom Brady. No, <laughs> F that. They, they, they want a piece of Tom Brady. They want a, a piece of uh, Vita Bay and Dominican Sue. They wanted a piece of them, and I, I love to see it. Now, It'll always come back to talent. We don't have the talent, yeah. even when we're all hyped up and excited, 
to really compete on those levels. Uh, and even places where we do have the talent, they don't show up all the time like it should. But I, I still do like what Matt Ryan and receivers are doing and Russell Gage showing that, you know, he could be a baby Cal- Calvin Ridley. Like he was, you know, at times Calvin Ridley-esque when he was, you know, contorting his body in the air, catching balls behind him, you know, big third downs coming up in the first half. The second half was rough for everyone. <laughs> but um, I, I was really excited to see, um, you know, the whole team and Matt Ryan is going to be consistent. Uh, that that fire that he has, the fact people doubt him is, is going to happen because we're losing. But someone who played, you know, four or five years with Matt and got to see him up close in person and understood exactly his intensity, his preparation, and his just unshakable desire to win. Yeah. I know that he is constantly harping on the offense and that whole team about how you can't ever not put your best out on that field. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what's going on. I don't care where it is in the season. You have to play every game, and it's the biggest cliche in the world, like it's your last game. Like The, the last game I played, I played hard, and, and I, I try to play every game like it's my last game. But when it's actually your last game, Detroit Lions, 2011, uh, third mm-hmm. quarter, like my last time playing in the regular season, I really wish and feel like I could have put a little bit more that quarter. I could have done a little bit more that season. I could have done a little bit more. And you don't want to ever have that regret. You know, you want to yeah. always know that you put your best out there. And it seemed like every player had that mindset. That's a good point. And I I, I think maybe I should give them credit for, because you're right. Like that, that was something tangible. And I could feel it as well as they wanted to be out there. They were not scared of this, of this team. Now we can quibble with the execution. You, you can quibble yes. with with some of the penalties that happened. I mean, the offensive line play. I, sure, I know we we know Vita Vey and Dominic and Sue are big guys. Trust me, we get that. But you you can't allow them to dictate a game, especially when you're trying to come back. Like that's that's when you can't make those mistakes. But I, I think that does just speak to a talent dis- discrepancy, and there's not, nothing you can really help about that. And I kind of wrote this down late in the game when I was just taking notes and I wrote <clears> down, you know, the Falcons aren't don't have the players, enough players capable of making kind of like over the top momentum plays. And what I mean by that yeah. is the Falcons are driving on offense. You know, they're down by 10, but they're putting together a good drive, score a touchdown, cut this to a three point game. They get to like midfield, the 45, the 40, and then a third and four comes up and it's an incomplete pass or you know, it's it's a fourth and two and it gets stuffed or whatever. They're just not able to get into they're putting themselves in good position to deliver some type of punch, some type of whether it be a knockout, whether it be a, you know, a, a big just explosive play that now puts you into the low red. And now, like, all of a sudden it's a game and yeah. you're a threat again. They're not making those plays. And whether that be on offense or defense, you know, it's a third and 12 and you give up a first down. Yeah, they're they're just missing a few guys on either side of the ball who are capable of saying this is a pivotal point in the mo- in the game i'm going to make a play here to move the needle incrementally in our favor to win this game and that that's just kind of where the falcons are at and that's understandable again there's not really anything they can do about it right now i think the coaching staff did a pretty good job today i think they had a good game plan coming in and it was a one score game going into the fourth quarter. I mean, like that's or, or at least a 10 a point game 
going into the fourth quarter. Like that's where they wanted it to be. Yeah. One player who did make one of those momentum swinging plays, Marlon Davidson, he was yeah, he, did. he was really the Big one man. the one bright spot on defense. So let let's Big man touchdown. Let's give him some love before we pivot to uh to some of the bad stuff. What what do you think of that? Oh my see, it's that type of stuff that every team has to have in order to win games. Yep. If you're if you don't have just undeniable talent on your team throughout offensive defense, you know, first, second string, multiple levels. If you're a team like ours, we've said it all, all year, you need some of the role players to step up. Like I would love if Tajay, Tajay Sharp just had a game. It's like went off. It was like, Hey, this is my field. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm big dog out here. I'm out here catching touchdowns, doing one handed catches. I, I would love if, you know, and That'd be if, great. Marlon, it would be, it'd be wonderful. Like, but, you know, you need a guy like like you know, Marlon Humphreys uh, to come out there and just do something that no one expects him to do. I couldn't believe Tom Brady didn't see that. I, they showed the replay so many times. I was watching Tom's eyes. I was like, what was he thinking? Here's what he was thinking. Here's what he's thinking. He did not know who the hell Marlon was. <laughs> he didn't know who he was, didn't care who he was. Probably this, you know, second, maybe third string type you know, a uh, uh, defensive lineman on most teams, he was like, I'm not, you know, you're not Michael Strahan. You're not, you know, you know. He literally uh, some... can't see you unless you're a certain degree, unless he respects you <laughs> a certain amount. You're literally blind to him. That That's what some of these, how these, some of these superstars work. But he didn't expect that the speed, the uh, uh, intelligence, the ball awareness, all the things that allow the interception to occur, he didn't think that Marlon could even do that. And so that's why... I think it's a huge uh, secret weapon for us to have all these guys who have talent. They're in the NFL. They have talent. But being able to pull that talent out of themselves and to show it on game day when the lights are the brightest. And Marlon did that. I, I was so happy for him. I mean, I was yelling at my TV and the arms <laughs> were up and, like, the whole Falcon faithful. We were just going bananas. And then I think that, that was what cut us at three points. And we're like, yeah, right we might win this. We're like, we might win this. There's a chance. It got exciting. I, I thought they there was a chance now we'd keep it close, which they did, uh, <laughs> to, to their credit. I I still True. wasn't. True. It was much better than the alternative, though. And no, great. I'm really happy for Marlon. He he had a rough rookie year, but I got, I got to cover him last year. Great kid. Really, really confident in, in himself. I remember I was at the Combine when he was at the podium talking about the reason that he loved the game of football was because he could, like, physically harm other people and it was like rewarded yes. <laughs> and, it, and it, like he was like i can't get in trouble for just absolutely abusing somebody physically and people I were kind of like is this guy okay like what is happening but when it's I on your be team, okay we, when it's on your we team need some that's crazy. You love, yes. and so um, we need some crazy i'm really excited for marlon uh, after dealing with an injury all last year uh yeah, yeah you're right the defense needs more players like this it Grady Jarrett, frankly, didn't really come on until it was it was that Super Bowl game, three sacks. That was the end of his second season. And, yeah. you know, that's when he really kind of took that next step as a player. It's yeah. it's late in Marlins second season. So it's a big adjustment on the defensive line as well. And we always talk about the offensive line and the adjustment from college to the pros. It's it's not easy to go from college to be 22 years old. And now all of a sudden you're going up against, you know, a double team that consists of two six foot six three hundred and 
55 pound guys. Like that's hard. Yeah. (laughs) So Marlon, Marlon, that's a great sign for his development, but let's, let's talk about some of the negatives here because outside of that play by Marlon, just an absolute zero from the defensive line today. I think I saw there was one quarterback hit on Tom Brady and as he did in the first game, absolutely carved up the Falcons. He threw the ball 51 times completed or uh, gained 368 yards through the air, four touchdown passes, the one interception to Marlon Davidson. But uh, what do the Falcons have to do against, because the the issue with somebody like Brady, if you blitz him, he's too good. He knows where to go with the ball. He'll get it out quickly and he will eat you alive with the blitz. But the Falcons don't have a pass rush. So it's Uh, kind of a catch 22 here. What like, what did you see, and, and did you think the Falcons at least tried to do something to get Brady off the off his spot, or, or did you think they just sat back and tried to cover as much as possible? They sat back and tried to cover it, and it didn't work. You know, you have Gronkowski and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin just, you know, <laughs> being elite specimens of pass catching. 15 and catches for Chris Godwin today. The size, the speed, the in football IQ – we we had no one on defense to um, really counter that. Now I, I love AJ Terrell, but he can't play all the positions. He, he, can't, right. he can't. Yeah, be every secondary position. I, I still think he's talented. I still think he's going to be a great piece for our defense. But we know that we cannot get to Tom Brady with our four down linemen or, or with our just, just a regular rush. It's not going to happen. Even if we add somebody, throw Foyer in there, throw uh, you know uh, Dion in there, we're still not getting to him. Because his offensive line were specifically constructed in order to protect Brady. That is the number one goal for them. Unlike our Matt Ryan, um, they actually protect their quarterback. <laughs> and it was a, a difficult thing to where, like you mentioned, even if we send the house, Brady's going to get rid of it, knows all the hots, the audibles, the uh, you know the routes to, to go to, the checkdowns. And we won't get there. The, the, the only way Tom Brady's been beaten from the – the giant Super Bowls and other uh, teams is when he gets manhandled. The defensive linemen beat their one-on-ones and they get in Brady's face and we still have all our defensive backs to cover. Those are only situations where you have a chance. If not, he's too good. Yeah, I think there was a, the broadcast brought up the point where Dean Pease, I guess, in talking with him in the week leading up to the game, Dean Pease mentioned and, and they quoted him saying that Brady always has the chalk last. And what he meant by that was whatever he draws up defensively, Brady then gets to see it before he snaps the ball and he gets to diagnose it. It's so it's a metaphor, you know, he's going up to the chalkboard, you give him the chalk, he gets to basically say, here's how I beat this. And he just does that with his head. He makes those calls. And to me, that almost, and obviously I don't think Dean P's meant it this way, but it reads a little bit like a defensive coordinator kind of throwing his hands up in the air. And saying, like, against a guy like this, like, what really can I do? Because he's got the opportunity, but it also speaks to, again, that talent discrepancy. Because the Bucs came into this almost like they had checkmated the Falcons before either team set foot on the field. And in a lot of ways, they did. Because they were not afraid in any way, shape, or form of Atlanta's pass defense. And that consists of both their coverage and their pass rush. And they knew, if you blitz us, Tom's going to beat you quickly. And we're going to possibly get some explosive plays out of that. And if you drop back, you don't have a good enough pass rush to affect Tom. And he's going to sit back there for five seconds and he's just going to find the open guy. And we're going to beat you like that. 
they threw the ball 51 times. They came out and threw it, I think, 13 out of their first 15 plays. This was their game plan, and they executed it pretty well. I mean, the, the Falcons couldn't do anything to stop them. Here's the funny thing, Will. Um, you would typically say, you know what? The Falcons did an amazing job with the run defense. They yeah, only yeah. held they held the uh, the Bucks to like what 40, 50, 60 yards. Like it, it was yep. fifty seven yards. That that's amazing. The Falcons need to be you know uh, given participation trophies and everything. But they did that because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are ranked thirty first in rush attempts. They don't need to rush. They don't want to rush. They yeah. don't have to rush yeah. because they have. Like I mentioned, Godwin and Gronkowski, Mike Evans, and all the other superstars on the, in the receiving core. And they have Tom Brady, the, the literal goats in the <laughs> NFL right now. And they have, you know, no concern if you're getting excited about holding them to 57 yards because they're carving you up for as many yards as they want in the air. So uh, like, like we mentioned, like you, like you just mentioned, it's just a situation to where Chalk, uh, Tom has a chalk last, and Tom's going to do whatever the heck Tom wants to do, especially knowing that his guys are going to beat your guys nine, nine times out of 100. If you guys, it, like, the reason that Tom Brady is actually the greatest quarterback, football player of all time, he came up in an era that was as old school as possible. It was heavy formations, yeah. eye formations, run the football. The quarterback is a game manager. You're going to throw the ball 18 times a game and complete 12 of them for 210 yards. He yep. is now the game's best seven-on-seven seven quarterback. In an era where Patrick Mahomes grew up seven-on-seven seven camps, playing baseball, doing all these other things. Like Tom Brady did not have the background that these guys have of playing, throwing the football a thousand times over the summer just at all these seven-on-seven seven camps. And he's the best seven-on-seven yeah. seven quarterback in the league right now. That's insane yep. to me. The the butts are just so good that they're like, all right, Tom, you have the ball in your hands 50 times and they're as efficient as can be. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, yeah. He is so good to watch. Let's flip, uh, flip sides of the ball. Talk about the Falcons offensive line. Really, really tough day for them. Uh, I think, I think that we're seeing that they're capable of playing well, but like the rest of this team, when they go up against the, the best of the best, they can't handle it one-on-one. We know that Todd Bowles likes to send extra pressure. He gives a lot of teams fits, I mean, to, to Atlanta's defense, yeah. but they, they just had no chance. And once Atlanta got into some obvious drop-back situations in, in the fourth quarter, it was game over. I mean, they're, they're just not equipped to play that game. That's not what they want to do. Uh, but but what, what was your evaluation of the offensive line? My evaluation was that, you know, I, I like the fact that, um, you know, Matt Hennessy was – very upfront about the mistakes that were made and they're going to address them and they got to play better. And the same old tired lines they've been saying all year long, it just, it, it drives me insane. Um, and during the Dan Quinn era, I wasn't playing then, but just all the, don't you get tired of making excuses? I would think, you know, don't you get, like, I know you have to say something. You have to go to the podium, but when you use the same excuses, we got to play better. It's our fault. You know, we got to keep Matt clean. You know, Matt, it, if I was Matt Ryan, quarterbacks in general, but but Matt Ryan has to have a happy place he goes to. We want to dog right? cuss, dog cuss these offensive linemen oh. who are supposed to be NFL caliber, and they are getting him hits, sacked, hurried, just pressured more than anyone else in the league. 
It's and he's insane. like, wait, wait, wait. It's insane. Yeah. Thomas Dimitrov, you know, uh, uh, Terry Fontenot, uh, GMs. <laughs> you see me, right? You know I can be a potential Hall of Famer if I have an offensive line. You see what I've done when I've had good offensive line and, and good, uh, uh, you know, pass blocking. I can't work with this. But yet he has to get up, you know, get back in the, in the huddle. <laughs> Knowing it's probably going to happen again and still call the play and believe, just cross his fingers and believe that his offensive line is just going to give him enough time to make a read and throw. Because you saw a couple plays, he didn't have time to make a read. He threw the ball before the receiver got there and kind of picked the play out or, or the route before um, you know, he got a chance to see which one was the best, and they so, showed it in slow motion. Stay right because there because he knows that it's very little time. Stay right there because what did you think of the third down play call in in the fourth quarter where it then backed him up and they ended up punting on on that fourth down? But it was the third down call, five wide. You got guys like Keith Smith in there, um, split out wide. They, you know what? What did you think? You know, ran ran. I think slants. Matt got got sacked or, or had to throw it away. I can't remember. I think it was sacked. What do you think of that decision? I mean, I, I understand what they're trying to do there, but you know, would you have liked to see them at least have somebody in the backfield to have the threat of the run? I would like to them to have done something that would given Matt Ryan an extra defender to protect him. And if no one comes, get out into the flat, get into the check down. But that's the way I just, I'm not an offensive coordinator, but I just feel like, Having a running back back there gives you somebody that worst case scenario they're bringing everybody. Running back has a route, he'll stop his route because first things first, right. protect the quarterback. But with Keith Smith out there, and I know this from being a fullback that's gone out to the you know the wings to protect, have the threat of me running a go route, all two hundred fifty five <laughs> pounds of me running a go route on a, a linebacker or a DB. Um, it allows them to do whatever they want in the blitz package because they know that, oh, this big, you know, horse is, is out of the way. He's not going for a go route. They wouldn't even cover me. And it bit, bit him like one time, Matt threw me the ball and I got like five yards. But for the most part, <laughs> they win by not covering the fullback and focusing on getting to the quarterback. So I, I didn't like it that much just because I know that you know, Matt's been getting killed the whole game and that was – uh, a place where you would learn from your mistakes and make the adjustments to allow yourself to at least get the ball off to the right person. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It seemed like they felt that if they if they had everybody spread out wide, that the Bucks either when they they would either blitz and then expose themselves to a quick pass um, for a first down, or if they jumped everybody back, then Matt would have enough time to at least get through a couple of reads, find the guy, get the first down. He couldn't even do that. I mean, they didn't blitz and they got home to him. Pretty damn quickly. So yes, the Falcons, if anything, like I understand if you're going up against a team that likes to blitz, that's tough. I can empathize with, with your day. It's going to probably be hell. But there's no excuse where you can't give Matt Ryan two and a half seconds on, on a third and three for him to get to two reads. You know, that, that's just there's no excuse for that. Um, sticking with the offensive line and uh, a couple of miscues, two fumbled snaps. Um, I believe both were Drew Dahlman. We mentioned in our last pod that they've been rotating centers the last two games. So between Matt Hennessy, Drew Dahlman, a couple of miscues, including one right there at the goal line. How crushing yeah. is that? I mean, I'm sure you've been a part of, of some plays where you've got some big momentum and then just a fumbled snap. I mean, what, what, what would Matt Ryan say when he gets back to the huddle after a fumbled snap? 
what the F are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Mud Duck, what are you doing? To talk, uh, Tom it's McClure. never his uh, fault, right? Uh, no, it's never his fault. But no, uh, he, he, he did a really good job of keeping it together. When, when, when shit just fell apart, uh, whether it's a fumble, interception, uh, an almost fumble, he did a really good job of he'll cuss, he'll yell, but he, he, he will snap back into it and say, all right, next, next thing. Like, what are the yeah. solutions? Solutions. Like, let's figure out what we're doing next. Let's figure out how to not make that happen. But he'd still be pissed off. And, and whether he said it or not, it really hurt the momentum. Because um, when we're that close to the goal line, the Falcons, they were like within the uh, red zone. They were in the, like the five-yard line or within the one a couple of times. And, yep. you know, because couldn't do anything. They came with a field goal. They, they couldn't move the ball. That, that's where it just kills me. And the It's good to have a run game, but you have to have a run game that can get that very important one, two yards. When they know you're going to run the ball, you know you're going to run the ball. That's talent, though, that dude. That's talent. True. That's talent. True. When true, it's true. when it's line up and go, that is talent. And the Falcons, that's why I think we're seeing them struggle, especially in some of these short yardage or like third or fourth down situations. They've yeah. been not great this year. And they know they can't win. Yeah, because they it's, line up and just say, let's go. You know, you're running the ball. We're, we're, I, I yeah. used to love that stuff because. Again, with uh, you know, my guys Claybo and, and Harvey, and uh, you know, with, with Justin, uh, we had uh, Sam Baker even, Todd and of course our, our center Tom McClure. We knew, we a hundred percent knew. Line your guys up, line them up, line <laughs> the ass up, and let's go. Your guys, our guys, me yeah. versus y'all. We're gonna get that one yard every single time, and it wasn't even a doubt for. We would go fourth and one on the goal line. I, I remember there was a game or two where we would do that, and he just gave me the ball. Say, like, all right, fullback dive. Or, Ovi, we're going to run behind you and Mike Turner, going to the right side, our strongest side, with Tyson, Claybo, and Harvey Dahl, and we're scoring this damn touchdown. <laughs> and it felt good because he believed in you, and we always made him right because we would find Mike would find a way. And, you know, if I had to, you know, grab somebody somewhere and, and twist, <laughs> like I, I would push the pile forward. I had to put whatever means necessary we're getting that one yard and the falcons don't have that confidence they don't have that belief they don't have that you know talent like you mentioned to be able to get those situations and say we're just going to do a mono e mono type of uh game and make it happen now i'm just picturing uh you guys and whoever team like you're facing like the anchorman news fight when all the the news teams assemble and <laughs> yeah. it's and it's just like the five different news crews and they're like Yep. No commercials, no surrender. And like they're freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. I, I saw exactly that. Uh, Ovi killed a guy. Uh, <laughs> um, Accident. Yeah, but no, there's there's not that killer instinct, nor is there is there that mono a mano talent. I mean, Kyle Pitts in the red zone as close as you can get, but when that's all you've got, a team can take that away pretty easily. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll we're gonna get into where the Falcons go from here, because a big a big part of Arthur Smith's press conference after the game was they're still in the mix. I think you and I, I think most oh, wow. most Falcons fans, I think, went into this game realistic, uh, to to put it, I guess, the best way I can. Um, yeah. So, well, let's let's get into that. But first, one more quick break. Say goodbye to dull gifts. I think I will. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Ah, I see what they did there. You know, diamonds dull, bright. These guys are on it. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. 
and at a light price too. I mean, $800 per carat. Not a big, uh, you know, carrot expert myself, um, but there's that information for you. $800 per carat. So you may be asking, what is a lab-grown diamond? Well, they have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in a bluish pink or, you know, a, a, just a classic white, maybe just a good, beautiful blue. I'm a classic blue guy myself. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add some sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. Okay, Ovi. Um, turning the page. Actually, we, we haven't done this in a second. Let's do a, a real quick good and bad team meeting room guy after after this game. Um, who Who I think it's safe to say, right? Marlon Davidson? would be kind oh, of our, our good he's guy. The, he's the great. Yeah. He, he's the one that you got to go to because, um, first big you know, play like of his career, it, like a, it's, it, it's, it's about being able to play big in the moment because you can be a good player, but if you don't play good on Sundays, if you don't play good on yeah. that fourth down, if you don't play good when the team needs you, cause there's a, a collective, um, just a certain type of, a feeling you, you, you get when you say, Someone has to make a play. Someone has to make a play. <laughs> oh, shit. I have to make a play. Yeah. And I can make that play. And look, being on the lookout for any way you can really change, uh, just change the game. Be, be, be a playmaker, a game changer, uh, as they say. And Marlon turned that switch up. He ratcheted it up and made that play. Was in the right situation. Because he could have easily just knocked it down or tipped it or fumbled it. But no, use those baby soft hands of his, grab that <laughs> and took it in. So he's got to be, uh, you know, the, the guys who have a good team meeting room, even though they lost, he's going to get lots of love. And he has to take this and make it not a, a one-time thing, right. a flash of yeah. him, but something that is part of his Grady Jarrett-esque, you know, rise to become an actual productive, consistent NFL player. Yeah, the the challenge now, Marlon, is is don't let this be your career highlight. You know, yes, make make let this be the habit. Um, but I think the the starkest example of kind of what you're talking about, where you got to make it make the play where it matters, is every preseason, every training camp. There's like three or four guys who are absolutely killing it in practice. Yeah, I like yep. Eric Saubert was my my go to, and I used to get made fun of because I was ready to put a gold jacket on him. Uh, during training <laughs> for like for like three training camps in a row the dude would make every sideline grab one-handed catches corner of the end zone. i was like how is this guy not like a pro bowler for real i think yep. he actually caught his first nfl touchdown pass last week so congratulations to him but him. he never really made those plays when he was given an opportunity in games and it's like that's when it matters and, and so it's really good to see marlin making that play when it matters against Tom brady i mean like the, the against the very best of the best. You picked him off. You you outbraided Brady on that one. Um, so good job by you. Uh, bad bad um, locker room guy. I'm gonna say I'm gonna surprise myself here, and I'm gonna say Jake Matthews because he had a couple of of false starts uh, where he, they got penalized um, in the second half that turned out to be kind of some big big drives and uh, ended up costing them a little bit on there. And and he's just too good of a player. You know, he's, he's a veteran guy. He needs to be a leader on this team. Yeah. Too good. So that's one of those where, and and knowing him, he'd probably stand up in the team meeting room and say, 
that's on me. I got to be better, guys. You know, my bad. Because he doesn't make those mistakes very often. When he does, uh, he's accountable usually. So Jake will learn from it. He'll get better. Um, I don't think he makes those mistakes again, but they kind of cost uh, the Falcons today. Yeah, they didn't kind of. They, they cost the Falcons this uh, loss. And and uh, since they're supposed to act as one unit, I'd have the whole offensive line. Uh, they're the one yeah. guy that's going to have the uh, the bad locker room meeting or bad meeting on, on Monday because you watch the film and it, it's hard to be told that you know you're getting your ass whooped every single time. You know, almost every single time. And it, it, they try not to say this, but sometimes they, they just got to like you're not good enough to play in the NFL. Or they used to say this 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 uh they have to deal with these guys. Uh, the week the week after, so they try not to crush your spirit because some of these guys are snowflakes, and you know it's not like back in my day they 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 will just crumble. And you know, um, people whether right or wrong, PC like coaches have to be more aware of these guys' mental uh, acuity and whatnot. But back in my day, they would they would really just crush <laughs> you and talk about are you even able to compete in the NFL? Do you belong here, Keith Smith, the, the special teams coach? You've seen some of his stuff at Hard Knocks, like. That guy would make you know grown men cry, and, and we had coaches just like Keith. In the, sorry, Keith Armstrong. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, we had coaches just like Keith uh, that would uh, be very brutal in showing that film, slowing it down, and watching you just get crumpled by a defender or by the opposing team, and and just get embarrassed. And they'd show that over and over and over again, and ask you, "Do you think you're good enough?" And before you answer, it's like, you're not good enough. That's not good enough. You can't. I was like, ooh, dang it. Wow. <laughs> and they will spend like a whole five, ten minutes ripping you a new one. So I, I don't know if like, I've been out of the league for 10, uh, 11 years. I don't know if they're still doing that. But if they are, then the offensive line deserves all that and then some. Because game after game, you know, having not being able to uh, – make the run game work and getting your run back beat up. That's one thing. And they've gotten better about that run games moving, but not protecting your quarterback who doesn't have the frame of uh Cordell Patterson or Mike Davis doesn't have the, the bigger pads to protect himself. And is usually being hit when he's not looking is unacceptable. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. I probably should give it to the entire offense line. Uh, I may, I may be, Overly uh, nitpicking a couple of penalties when maybe I should be focusing on a couple of sacks that were given up by a couple of guys uh, on the interior of that offensive line. So good call by you. Yeah, probably the offensive line as a whole deserves a shout out there. Um, All right, let's quickly talk about where the Falcons can go from here. So they the last time we kind of did a big picture thing was after the Patriots game. They've now gone one and one since that Patriots game. But up next, they've got a, an away game against the Panthers. Then they are on the road again against the 49ers, home against the Lions, who won their first game today, surprisingly. Hey. So, you know, yes. um, then they're on the road uh, against the Buffalo Bills and return home to close out the season against the Saints. Yeah, a couple of winnable games in there, uh, a couple of probably hard fought games, and one against the Bills that probably seems like a long shot. You're shaking your head, Ovi. Um, I take it you don't feel too confident about the Falcons down that stretch. I I mean, I want them to finish strong. 
there are a lot of fans who want the season just to be over with so they can get to the draft and they can, you know, move on because Ooh, this boo is to just... those fans, I say. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's I understand why they think that. You know, I, I feel like just like this game, like there, there's there's a couple things that you were able to glean from it to make it to where you feel like they're going to incorporate this into their uh their overall being, their psyche, their their team. Uh, mantras, uh, just the experience. So I feel like these last five games, they seem daunting uh, just because I, we know who the Falcons are and the the bills we know is not going to happen. The 49ers, I mean, the the rest of them, we can squeak by because if we can play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and be down by three, I feel like we can go toe to toe with almost any team. If we did that with lots of mistakes. So, we can go toe to toe with almost any team, but it's about being able to win, being able to make the plays when it matters. So I, I feel like it would be nice. In fact, I really want them to squeak into the playoffs just because, and I'm not going to get my hopes up that anything can happen once you get into the playoffs, uh, <laughs> like the Hawks and the Braves. But I just want to give the whole team that playoff experience because next year I'm going to expect them to get to the playoffs. I'm still not, you know, expecting Super Bowl, but I'm expecting them to get to the playoffs and win a game or two, definitely. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I, I don't feel that great about our chances. Here are the uh, playoff standings right now as as it matters, and, and we're saying this before the Sunday night football game or Monday night football games have been played, but the 49ers just losing uh, a late afternoon game dropped to 6-6, six and six, but they will stay in the 6th seed. Philly is 6-7 and seven at the 7th seed, and then you've got the uh, football team, is currently eighth, but they are half a game ahead of Minnesota, Carolina, Atlanta. We're all five and seven and all right there. So you're essentially kind of two spots out of one of the wild card um, slots there. So, and Atlanta plays Carolina. So if they win next week, they kind of bump uh, a spot up over Carolina in that race. And then, yeah, you know, 49ers, like they, they've got some ground they can make up here if they can beat carolina and san francisco in back-to-back weeks i mean i would think right right then like you're looking at them being in that six or seven spot because those are two teams in front of them that then they would have uh direct wins over so that'd be good they they can they can make a run at this you're saying there's a chance there's definitely a chance and and i mean I feel better about this Panthers matchup now than I would have uh, a few weeks ago. And I still think the lions like that's yes. I know the lions are are coming off a win. Sure. We're all happy for Detroit that you got to have that win. Um, They beat the saints on the road. They're going to get them at home. I mean, you can make a case and even the bills, hell the bills lost to Jacksonville. Like there, there's always a chance. Um, And you don't have Tom Brady anymore to face. So yeah, I mean uh, that. Hey, that's all they can really do, right? No, nobody's yeah. gonna sit there in the locker room and say shit. We lost Tom Brady. We're done, guys. Our our seasons our seasons over. The fact of the matter is, the NFC is not really good. <laughs> you kind of hit a yeah. cliff, and you've got a lot of teams here who are about as good as the Falcons. Somebody's got to get into the playoffs. Why can't it be us? Why not us? Why not now? <laughs> that's the mantra. Um, all right, Ovi, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, sir. I'm good to go. Looking forward to us bouncing back, getting the win. Yep. 
Yep. And we will uh, we'll be back later this week on Friday as usual. Um, as always, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please let everybody know where they can find us. Follow us on Twitter at Will McFadden at OVMahaley34. And as always, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.